Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson, tune in to Turn on the Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune in to the Turn on the Jets podcast. Everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Turn the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at WillPot11 on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Had an episode last night uh, with Dennis Wozniak of the, the AP, talking a little Jets expectations for 2023. We talked a little you know, recapping of camp um, and a little look forward to the Bills-Jets game on Monday night. Now we're going to get really in-depth in it. Uh, Nate Geary, who pre-game, Bills pre and post, Bills halftime pre and post, I guess, if you want to go all the way there, WGR 550. I've been on been on with you a bunch you've been on the last couple of years we'll keep uh we'll keep it rolling we get bills jets early this year um i feel like it's been a season over quite a few times but um not sure it's ever been bigger than it is uh you know in six days time as we're recording this hey how's the summer you ready to rumble and uh get some get back into some real football here uh in about six days ready to rumble it's been a long summer especially uh if you're a bills fan just you know the drama of being a good team for a long time without winning. That's kind of the, it's, it's a little bit of like national fatigue and uh, just around the narratives around the bills. Right. So it, things turn, you know, it's uh, as a Jets fan, you've been on the brunt end of the uh, media narrative for 60 years uh, or so, you know, 50 years. So, you know, now that the kind of the conversations are turning, you guys are, are sort of, I think, where the Bills were at going into the 2021 season. Um, although, you know, like that was kind of when the 2020 season when Josh Allen brings the Bills to the playoffs for the first time, breaks the drought. Well, the drought had already been broken, but, you know, brings them into a, a situation where he could, you know, legitimately win football games. And the next year, obviously, the the Bills go to the AFC Championship game, and a lot of people, um, or that was 2020, the Bills go to the, you know, the AFC Championship game, and I think ever since then, there's been this expectation the Bills will win. So, like, you know, for me this summer, it just kind of was stay away from social media. The narratives from April to July are so tough, man. I mean, it's just there's no football and we're here. Thank God. It's At the same time, it's like summer's over. It's 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 always a bittersweet um, time when the sort of preseason ends and the summer really sort of ends as well with it. So, um, yeah, you mentioned it, though. I mean, couldn't be a better matchup. Monday night football, um, 
Jets getting, you know, Aaron Rodgers versus Josh Allen, two guys that are like, you know, that love each other, talk, talk each other up in the media all the time. Um, yeah, man, it should be, it's too bad Von Miller isn't playing in this game. Cause I think that's just one more storyline that would have added to a, I think a game that's got just tons of awesome storylines to it. Yeah. It's interesting that you talked about Von Miller. We're going to get into that. Joe Douglas kind of talked a little bit about, he didn't want to comp Will McDonald to Von Miller, but he also was like kind of hinting like that's his, that's what like, obviously the absurd ceiling would be for him. Um, just a lot of similar kind of play styles in terms of their bend and things like that. I want to kind of just quickly hit on a couple of things, you know, around the bills before we kind of get into this, this matchup, obviously the number one story this summer, <laughs> the off season, obviously with the bills, I don't want to, t- is, we can touch on the digs thing quickly just because it does matter. Um, he kind of feels like it got a little overblown. It feels like I have no idea if it's resolved or not. We don't really know. To be fair, from an outside point of view, Sean McDermott made it a lot worse than it needed to be yeah. by that comment. And then kind of we're like, everyone was like, why is everyone getting upset? It's like, I don't know, the head coach said there's a lot of reason to be concerned. <laughs> like, that's kind of a huge red flag. That said, I feel like Stefan Diggs puts on the pads and plays week one, and he is just Stefan Diggs, and no, one, there's nothing to really worry about there. Like, am I crazy that until we get later in the year and the Bills have a moment of crisis where maybe they don't play well. Maybe it happens when I don't really know, but like, it doesn't feel like it's really a big storyline for week one. You know, I think you can boil this down rather simply. And I think sometimes the NFL and NFL players get viewed in this sort of sphere and this light that they aren't, you know, real human beings. And I think, the end of last season, and you, you sort of really have to go back to the beginning of last season if you're a Bills fan or and if you're a Bills player, right? Um, this was a team that was being talked about as, you know, the the favorite to win the Super Bowl, um, veteran roster. They just got Von Miller, like all of this stuff, right? Josh Allen and, and Gabriel Davis are coming off of that AFC championship game or the AFC divisional game. I'm sorry, 13 seconds, right? Where, you know, just it basically it looked like the Bills could have the best one, two wide receiver punch in the NFL. Um, you know, now all of a sudden they're getting one of the greatest pass rushers of all time. And. Um, you're getting Tredavious White back and they draft Kyrie Elam and you're like, man, all of these things, the vibes are all great, right? Um, yeah, and they beat the shit out of the Rams by a thousand yeah, points. You know, yeah, and right. They I don't think there the was, season well. You, right. you remember the graphic? I'm sure it's burned in your brain, unfortunately, but the graphic of every single NFL Network person picking them to win the Super Bowl. Yeah. It was like, dude, everyone's picking them. Like, this isn't even like, oh, they're trendy. It's like, no, they're literally the pick. I, it's hard to explain to people that have never been in the position. And I have never been in the position, but I try to think about this, right? Like I, I think back to all the sports teams I've ever been on and none of them were like, Oh, this is the best team in the league. This is, they're going to roll by everybody and hearing that. And when you're a player, what, and, and feeling like, Oh my God, we got Von Miller. We, he's on a podcast that all of a sudden Josh Allen's on, you know, Pat McAfee, Brandon Beans on Pat McAfee all the time. And all of a sudden you sort of buy into what everybody says about you. And that is just human nature, especially when you've never reached the pinnacle. You don't have the experience. Nobody, you know, Von Miller does, but no one else of importance on the team does. And I think that a certain level of, you know, drinking your own Kool-Aid a little bit happened, getting high on the old supply, as they'd say. Like, I, I think that that was a real thing, but I think, Maybe what gets under talked about is, you know, last year in April, you know, we have this horrific shooting here in Buffalo um, and 
how that affected everybody in the community, not just, you know, fans and, and people here, but how it affected the team. Dawson Knox's brother tragically passes away during training camp. Um, then you go through the season and in that Jets game, Josh Allen gets his arm twisted up and basically has an injury that affects him at least in some way for the rest of the season. Um, and then the DeMar Hamlin situation happens, right? And I think, and I'm probably missing a few things and I'm sure any Bills fan would listening is probably got three or four other Von Miller on, on Thanksgiving tears his ACL. Like, you know, just like all of these things start happening. And, and I know this as a Jets fan, you'll, you'll sort of know this phrase and just apply it to yourselves. It's like, Oh no, not again. Right. Like this is the bills. This is inevitable. The choke's going to happen. The bad breaks are going to happen. The, all the bad luck, whatever. Right. So I think that from a fan and from a player perspective, you're drinking your own Kool-Aid and then all of these things, Micah Hyde, you know, breaks his neck in week two in a game at a moment that the game was well in hand. It's the end of the third quarter. They're up by five touchdowns or whatever they were up in that game. And he gets a knee to the helmet that cracks a vertebrae. And, you know, you, now you're without your best safety. And then Jordan Poyer is hurt all year and misses games. It's just this, the season itself was such a, an emotional bear. Think of it from the human perspective if you're Stefan Diggs and you are this, ultra competitor, which is what Stefan Diggs is. You take all of these things, these frustrations, and it culminates into a game that, you know, rumors or discussions of there had been some stuff happening off the field between Josh and his girlfriend that Diggs really didn't love. And that's a rumor. And then, you know, maybe he didn't show up to play and didn't play his best game and the weather and the offensive line. Imagine being that ultra competitor and in that moment in a team that you really believe can win a Super Bowl and you've gone through all this stuff that I'm telling you they've gone through. These are real human things that sort of wear on you. And I think the stress got to Stefan Diggs. And I'm sure if you if you had Diggs in a room by himself, he'd probably say he regretted how he ended last year and how the offseason went. But like once the football season started, that's really when like I think the national media finally had stuff other than that to talk about. They had real football to talk about. And I think that's where we are now. And what happens with Stefan Diggs after this season, I think um, is a conversation that doesn't necessarily mean what's going to happen this season. Cause I still think he's one of the best three receivers in all of football. And he's got a quarterback. That's one of the best three quarterbacks in football, throwing the ball and like, let's play ball and, 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 and roll. But uh, listen, I, I don't think you can underestimate um, the human side of everything that happened for the bills last year and how it played out. Um, I don't know how I would react in, if, especially if I had that sort of competitive fire. So, um, I don't blame Diggs. I know a lot of bills fans hold him, you know, they're a little frustrated with how he's acted and is this happening again? But I, I, I mean, from my perspective, it's you, you'd rather pull a guy back like that than have to be able to feed somebody that competitiveness. You can always say, hey, we want this, we want this back, or, hey, we need you to do this better. It's really hard to ignite the kind of competitive fire that Stefan Dix has with a coach or a contract or something. So um, it's sort of, you take the good with the bad. And, and I think you deal with that with all of the wide, especially wide receiver grades. Yeah, no, I'm on the same page as you look at it. So I just think that the Dix conversation is something to have in, in five or six months from now. If it blows yeah. up during the season, then it blows up during the season, but you're not going anywhere. The bills are not just going to sit there and eat, you know, <laughs> millions and millions and millions of dollars when they're in a window. I guess from a the one negative I, I'm where I'm kind of the two things with the bills that I'm kind of not as high on as I think 
I have been in the past. I don't think the defense is as good. Um, it's hard to tell. They have a new defensive coordinator who's their head coach. And when they have not had Jermaine Edmonds, they're a different defense. I still think Milano is a much better player. That's not the point. It's just when Edmonds has not played, like they are a different defense. We're going to see what happens there. And that secondary is definitely not in its prime. I think that's fair to say. Um, and there's no Von Miller the first four weeks. So, like, I just don't know what to do with this defense. I still think they're going to be a really good defense. I still think they're really well coached. I still think they have a lot of talent. But I also don't know if they're the same they've been in years past where, like, they can compensate quite as much if Josh has the sugar high game that I know Kyle likes to say he has all the time and once in a while or the, you know, the random kind of clunker. Um, are you high on this defense? Because I just feel like I know someone mentioned it. We talked a little bit about it. The change in coordinator is a real thing. And there's a change in a lot, like a couple of pieces here. They get guys back, but those guys are pushing closer to 35 than they are closer to 25. No doubt. Um, and I hear you. I have come to believe that in the NFL, defense in a vacuum can matter. Um, I think though, when you zoom in on what the, the AFC is at large, it is, it consists of quarterback play and the jets realized it and they went out and acquired, you know, one of the greatest quarterbacks of the era, if not, you know, maybe the most talented quarterback to ever play. Um, and they did that knowing that regardless of how good their defense was without that true elite quarterback, it didn't matter. And I think that with it, with an elite quarterback, having a really good defense can matter because it opens things up for him to be more aggressive, so on and so forth of those conversations. But with the Bills, the the absence of Tremaine Edmonds will absolutely hurt. And I don't know that they did enough to replace him. And I kind of am thankful about that. And here's why. This is a team that has spent more than about any, about any um, you know, franchise in the NFL on the defensive line, spent more assets, whether in free agency or in the first round, or they, they, they drafted Greg Rousseau and then backed it up by drafted Boogie Basham, who they just traded for basically spare parts. So this is a franchise that has sunk a lot of money in the defense. They re-sign Tredavious White to a big contract. They bring back Jordan Poyer this offseason. They sign Matt Milano to a big contract. They sign Von Miller to a big contract. They they extend Ed Oliver. They use a first-round pick on Kyer Elam and then back it up with a six-round pick in you know, in um, Christian Benford, who, by the way, is going to be the starter and is a damn, really damn good player. Jets fans should um, start to acquaint themselves with a, a really long, interesting zone corner um, that they fell in love with and beat Kyrie Lam out at a training camp last year, but got hurt. Um, so I think all in all, this team has decided that in the window that they exist in, that they're going to invest in Dalton Kincaid, which I'll tell you, from the limited practices that I saw is going to be a problem for defenses. If you want to talk about one area that the bills might've looked exactly at the jets and looked at that defense and said, where can we take advantage? Where can we get some good one-on-one -on -one matchups? Maybe it's not on the edge at cornerback. Maybe it's in the middle of the field against their linebackers and aging and aging, um, you know, Mosley and, and some other pieces on the defensive side of the ball. So there's no denying that the bills have gotten a year older, but I think they've got their starting they're the big three, Pied, Poyer, and Tredavious White, will play in a game together for the first time since November of 2021. And I think that would surprise a lot of people to learn that that was the last time that group has played together. Um, 
And I think that's exciting. You got a year removed from Tredavious White's knee injury, and I think he started to find that form at the end of last year. Getting Micah Hyde back, I think, is huge for this defense. They signed Puna Ford. I think they've done a really nice job solidifying the interior part of their defensive line. And Leonard Floyd and Greg Rousseau are going to be a problem on the outside. Both are two of the best edge run defending edge players in the NFL. But man, do they bring length for passing lanes. Um, both guys over six foot five. Uh, and obviously, you know, with Leonard Floyd is a guy that's had double digit sacks the last three years, nine plus sacks in the last three years. So um, I will tell you that this does not appear to be the same top two, top three defense of years past. But I would tell you, if you had asked Bills fans not to look at the, st st the statistics, the advanced analytics, the DVOA, to tell you where they believe the Bills defense was amongst the elite, they would not have told you the number two defense in football. So this is a defense that is built to stop the pass. And there's no better time to have the fundamental belief that stopping the pass is the most important thing than right now in the NFL. And I still think the Bills are set up to do that. And I think they might be better set up with Leonard Floyd in another year, Greg Rousseau, learning to get after the quarterback with four. I know you guys know that's important. You guys, especially in the preseason, if you look at um, you know pass rush statistics, the Jets are one of the more uh, efficient teams at just rushing four and getting to the quarterback and creating pressure. And the Bills were number five or six in the NFL when Von Miller was in, and they dropped to like middle of the pack, almost early 20s when Von Miller left the lineup. This is a, this is a league about covering and getting home with four. And I still believe that even though Tremaine Edmonds isn't there anymore, this is a team that can execute that game plan in that style. Yeah, no, they were fifth last year with on 22nd without him, dropped about five or six percent uh, overall in terms of pressure rate with four. I, I just thought, I think it's going to be a really good defense. I just think that it's a defense that it might is it transition. It's, yeah, it's, it's, not, it's the same... not the same group. No, it's not the Agreed. same core group. Um, or if it's the same group, core group, they're relying on different guys. Matt Milano still a problem. Obviously, Jets fans are very familiar with uh, Matt Milano spearing Mike White into oblivion. Um, the one other question I kind of go back to this the whole AFC East, frankly I think all four AFC East teams whichever one can kind of figure out their own line is probably going to win the division I I don't think New England's going to figure out their own line and I don't think they're very good so I'm going to eliminate them from this conversation I'll let you give your thoughts on the whole AFC East in a second the Bills O line it's not a bad group but it's like underratedly one of those things that no one talks about nationally and I'm sorry, Spencer Brown is has probably has nightmares still about getting Josh Allen killed a thousand times last year in both Jets games. Um, you know, I, I just they've got rookies. They it's like a group that they have a unicorn at quarterback who's a freight train. So it like it masks a lot of problems. They have an offensive coordinator who likes to make Josh Allen do 27 step drops and run four verticals like it's a Madden game every single play. And yeah. um, that's the biggest funny. I think that's the funniest part of that Ken Dorsey. Uh, outburst was like, dude, that's what every fan thinks watching you call four verticals every goddamn play to Stefan Diggs. Um, am I fit? Is it fair to say like the Bills O line does have some questions? And if they want to get to where they need to get to, that's probably the biggest question mark for them outside of anything else um, we've talked about. Yes, and yes. Um, I, I think it's an improved unit from last year. I think they've increased some of their bully ability, especially from the interior. Now, I think the one thing that people talk about is the Bills not maybe insulating themselves better. They go out and get Jermaine Ifedi, um, a guy that you know started games in this league, and you feel like if Spencer Brown can't get it done, you've got you've got a guy that can step in, and, and at least you know they started games in the NFL and you can trust. 
but let me tell you this is it is much easier to predict. It is much easier to insulate your quarterback when the rush is, is coming from the edge. There are things you can do schematically. They're going to run more 12 personnel. That means there's going to be more two tight end sets. There's going to be more opportunities for Dawson Knox to stay in, get you that sixth blocker. They've really, really emphasized the run or the pass blocking at the running back position. That's why James Cook did not play that much last year is they felt they could not trust him um, in passing down situations if he were to stay in and, and have to block for Josh Allen, that he could get the job done and keep Josh upright. That has a, been a big, big change for him. He has been good to great um, in that area of the field, which is why I think he is going to get a lot of touches, more touches than we've seen from a Bills running back one since basically since LaShawn McCoy. Um, but where this, uh, where I think Brandon Bean really spent the assets was on the interior of this offensive line. They now have, I think, some of the best depth on the interior of the offensive line in the league. Um, when you look at Ryan Bates, who went from being a starting guard but can play every all five positions along the offensive line, he is the team's backup center. He's the center of the future. You now have a guy that could start at guard and center for a lot of teams in the NFL as your primary backup on the interior in Bates. Osiris Torrance was the first interior offensive player, offensive guard um, taken in the draft, and it brings a unique style. He's a big, big guy, a big road grader, but gives them a little bit of power when they invested in Connor McGovern on the other side, who is one of has one of the best pass blocking grades for any interior offensive line in the league. So they've built in some, I think, some variety in who they are. They can maybe get a little bit downhill and, and run the ball a little bit better with, with Torrance. And I think Mitch Morse is a top five, top seven center in the league. He just gets the job done each and every week. He gets, Sometimes he can get overpowered by the big guys, but he's one of the best pass blocking centers in the league. And then Dawkins, I think, suffered from a, a, a poor preseason, but has always been a top 15, top 17 player at his position. And gets the job done. It, it is, it just does come down to Spencer Brown and can Spencer Brown take the step. And if he can just be replacement level, um, the bills will have the best offensive line in the division. If he is replacement level. Yeah, no, look, I, I think the jets and the bills are, they have a lot of similarities. Um, they're, they are built a lot of the same way, rush and cover on the, you know, on the back on defense and on offense at the moment have a unicorn quarterback, a wide receiver one and you know some young tight ends some you know jets obviously built you know a lot of running backs but you know everyone talks about the jets offensive line being weak spot their interior is pretty good and the makai bethens looked awesome so if makai bethens going to be good like their offensive line is going to be fine if spencer brown is at least fine the bills offensive line will be fine it's just i think that uh you know on paper those are two spots people are going to point to either way Let's try to talk a little bit about this matchup here. Um, actually, let's first hit the division, and then we'll talk about this matchup. I assume I kind of can. I'm gonna guess you're gonna finish. You're gonna go. It's gonna be Bills, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots, based on knowing you for now a couple of years. How this is gonna shake out, but um, I have it going the same way um, potentially. I'm not sure. I have to decide. I think I'm gonna go in Jets tie breaking. Tiebreaker eleven and six and Bills eleven and six, but we'll see. I'll reveal that uh, at you know before the game on Monday. Where do you kind of have this division? How do you see this division playing out? There's just like the people that think the Dolphins are gonna run away with it, and then everything else kind of feels like it's Jets and uh, Jets and Bills. Yeah, I don't. I don't get uh, the Dolphin stuff at all. Either do I. Um, and here's the thing: is Vic Fangio, the- base, Vic Fangio, who everyone keeps talking about, keeps saying that the defense sucks. He literally was in a like they interviewed him during practice. He's like, "Yeah, we have a few good guys. The rest suck." And I'm like, "Okay." 
whoa. And you don't have Jalen Ramsey for, you know, seven. And listen, what Vic Fangio did was change the way defenses approached passing offenses. Everybody does what Vic Fangio implemented in the league two years, four years ago, which was the too high shell. It is not any longer revolutionary. He is a great defensive coach. Do not get me wrong, but the idea that he is some guru. Yes, he was a guru, but like any guru, unless you evolve, he created the defense now that everybody runs. There's no doubt about that, but quarterbacks know how to beat that now. Quarterbacks know how to attack those defenses. If you don't believe me, go look at the passing numbers from last year. There are seven guys over 4,000 yards or something, eight guys over 4,000 yards. So I think for me with the Dolphins, it's even less to me about the defense and even more to me about how the offense looked with Tua at quarterback over the last six or seven weeks before he was injured and Skylar Thompson came in. There is a blueprint on how to slow down what they are doing. Now, that does not mean I don't think that Mike McDaniel is not going to find a way to grow the offense and evolve the offense. But where he can attack at an elite level is over the middle of the field. We saw what the Packers did. We saw what um, the Chargers with their second and third stringers on defense did. And they stopped them from beating them over the middle of the field. And that might mean they're going to get the ball out quicker and get it to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle at the line of scrimmage and let them get yards after catch. That might be part of this. But defenses are not going to let the, the Miami Dolphins beat them over the middle of the field. And they've done nothing to help them. They have the worst offensive line. They might have one of the worst le- lines in the league. And it doesn't matter how many hours of jiu-jitsu lessons that Tua Tunga Viola took. If he's getting hit multiple times a game, they are putting him in a position um, to get hurt again. So I think for me, the Dolphins, did they get better by getting Vic Fangio? I guess, you know, Jalen Ramsey, he'll be back towards the end of the year. Um, they got the same running backs. They got the same wide receivers. They've got the same worse at tight end. They've got Durham Smythe starting at tight end. Yeah, they've got two good edge rushers and Jalen Phillips and, and Bradley Chubb. But David Long is the greatest signing of all time, apparently, a a, a, a Okay, linebacker is now, you know, all of a sudden going to be the best linebacker in football. And Javon Holland, is, yeah, listen, I know a lot about the Dolphins. I got best friends that are Dolphins fans. And they're, they've got a shot to be in a wild card. They, this is not a division that I think they're really ready to compete for. And, and I think this is fully squarely between the Bills and the Jets. And I think it's for a lot of reasons. I, I think it's quarterback play. I think it's the play of both defenses. Um, and I think it's the ability of both coaches, um, head coaches. Um, to be two of the better defensive minds uh, in the league. So I think for me with the jets, I like from the AFC out, AFC East outlook, um, I think they have the best chance of winning the division um, outside of Buffalo. And I, I think that the Patriots couldn't be any further from the other two or the other three. Yeah. Look, I, I'm, I kind of hinted at it. I, I'm likely going to pick the jets to win the division, but not by like multiple games. I think they might win the division just like, they might, I don't know, they're, they have a fourth-place schedule. The Bills have a first-place schedule. Like, they're as much as everyone talks about how hard the schedule is for the Jets, they don't travel a lot. Like, they have a lot of primetime games where people are traveling to them. I know everyone is making a big deal out of the first six weeks. They play Philly, Kansas City, and Buffalo all at home. Like, it's not like, and Dallas is their one, and Denver, the road games. They have New England home. Like, I don't know, I just, the back half of the schedule makes me think, like, the Jets maybe, you know, kind of edge it. Like, they tie 11-6, and six, better, you know, maybe they jet. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of how the logistics work out. 
Miami's got the highest ceiling because they have these two guys that are unicorns at receiver. That said, the defense was horrendous last year, and the guy that was supposed to change everything is not playing until December. And offensively, when Teron Armstead doesn't play, they're atrocious. Like I will no- say this, though, Will. I yeah. will say this. The defense will get better strictly because they're not going to all-out blitz on third. Yeah, every single five. play, yeah. which was yeah. – yeah, I mean, which was – my yeah. god yeah it was it's but you know again like i know everyone likes the point like i just two has never been healthy as well career. it's not just the concussion things i think people keep harping on that and i understand why Tua wasn't healthy in college Tua wasn't has never been healthy in the nfl it's always been a thing and like he made a lot of strides last year but you know he also had some pretty back-breaking performances towards the end of the year the san francisco game his numbers didn't look as bad as he was same thing with the charge like that was really concerning. Like those games were horrible, bad, <laughs> um, really bad. And I, I don't know that, you know, they have a lot of injuries. They've had a lot of freak stuff happen. I don't know who's playing corner for them outside, you know, to start the year outside of Xavier Howard. It's like, we'll see there. I think the jets. Yes. Do I think that I'm probably wrapped into a lot of like, seeing Rogers in person. He looks every bit the player he did two years ago, but at the same time, the jets stay healthy. Like I don't, this roster is really good. They have all pros everywhere. And like, that's, that has not happened in a very long time, uh, to say the least. I want to get into this matchup on Monday night and a few things. We talked, you hinted at it before. I don't feel like we're talking enough about Von Miller not playing. Um, I know we mentioned a little bit before of just the difference, and Greg Rousseau is awesome. And, you know, Leonard Floyd's a proven first round pick. He's a guy that's, you know, won a Super Bowl and all these different things. Not Von Miller. And I just feel like the Jets having their big question at tackle and not having to face Von Miller is a huge deal. And I just, we haven't, the spread hasn't reflected anything different. No one's talking about it on any major network. I, I just, I can't fathom like why a guy who's one of the five best edge rushers ever probably is like, and he's still awesome. We're not talking about the fact he's not, he's going to miss a month, like, it, like minimum. Yeah, I would bet, you know, they're going to probably circle week six or week seven for his return. Um, and, and I think that they're going to play this right because I think at the end, sort of, when the injury the opposite happened, of last year almost right the opposite yeah, of last year. like when the injury happens i think a lot of people were like man this is just worst case scenario you wanted him a lot of the thought was listen this is a guy that's playing still at a high level but you wanted to sort of reduce the snaps and then he got in here and he immediately was the best player on this defense and it did not look like a 34 year old edge rusher he looked a lot like his 30 year old self a guy that damn near won an mvp um and changed the way that offenses a lot of people don't remember this but when the bills beat the kansas city chiefs um i think it was the week or two weeks after that after that dolphins game week five i think week six the bills held that chiefs offense to 20 points in that game von miller makes the game changing play at the end of the game and you look and you say that's exactly what you got von miller for it was for the for the end of those game situations the problem became is he was so dominant it was hard to take him off the field and you know i think the situation in in detroit is that's the worst turf on in the nfl and he gets caught up in that game the same turf the same game the same night that tredavious white well i shouldn't say same turf that that happened in new orleans but also you know terrible terrible turf um, on Thanksgiving the year before Trey white. And then this year, Von Miller, I, I think the thing that maybe doesn't get talked about enough is I think a lot of people might look and say Von Miller, it's his second ACL injury and he's 35 years old. I think he's got a unique advantage of knowing what to expect mentally 
from his rehab process, from getting back. And the guy is a specimen. He reminds me a lot of the defensive version of Adrian Peterson, where he's the kind of guy that his game translates regardless of how defenses change. Um, and more so defenses nowadays need players like Von Miller who can stretch edges, but still be a, a responsible uh, run defender. But they get him back by get him close to hundred percent going into week 12, week 13. That's the goal here. And I, I think you, you bide yourself some time by going out and getting a, a Leonard Floyd. And I think they like what they've got along the defensive line. They like the interior a lot. They're deep and they're getting Jordan Phillips back who really just was not himself last year towards labrum and his shoulder and just really, um, you know, he was coming out of plays dead arm and like, it, it's just so hard to do when you are playing such a physical position, like the interior defensive line. So um, I'm super interested in what the defensive line looks like come Monday night, but it will look a lot better, you know, by the end of the, by the end of the season. I think that's the most important thing for Bill's fans and everyone else kind of like to keep in mind. Yeah. We, we talked about this a little bit. Josh Allen, Against the Jets, they put they point blank. You said it. It's not, I mean, I, I've said that as well. The Jets played with Josh Allen better than anybody in the NFL, and it's, I'm not sure it's particularly close. Um, I think he's got 15 total turnovers in nine games against the Jets. The Jets with some bad teams gave Josh Allen a lot of problems. I, I don't. I mean, it's not like they they run a pretty popular scheme. It's not as if they're doing a lot of things that differently. I just feel like they kind of force Josh into forcing the issue, which is the one kind of Achilles heel sometimes where. He, he kind of, you know, gets gets a little antsy and wants to make a play, and the Jets kind of force him into that a little bit. Um, we saw that in both matchups, you know, last year. The Jets very well, you know, I mean, you could look at it both ways, right? The Bills fans could say, like, damn, you know, we, we, we had a shot there, if, you know, um, you know, late late in that, you know, first game. Again, you know, with Zach Wilson and Nate Herbig and James Robinson leading the way and Denzel, the, the corpse of Denzel Mims, um, you know, or and – you know, at the same time, I think Jets fans probably are thinking, you know, Michael Carter doesn't fumble. Mike White doesn't basically die on the field. Um, that's probably a different ball game. I say all that to say, like, this is a really good defense. It's going to be an insane environment. Those fans are going to be fired up. There's going to be probably the most fired up Jets fans have been in a very long time. Not that you worry about Josh Allen at all on Monday night, because he's incredible. And he's a guy that very well could win the MVP this year. Like, there's that's a real thing. That said, like I mentioned, the Jets have kind of figured out how to at least be pretty good against Josh Allen, all things considered. Um, I guess what are your kind of expectations in that matchup? Because I think that more than anything besides the game, Josh turns the football over. It's a very different game than if he's, he plays a clean game and protects the ball. No doubt. Um, when they are not turning the football over, um, they're incredibly efficient offense. They finished last year number two overall in the league. Um, and it's not because... Um, you know, Josh was uh, a game manager, right? He can make throws that very, very few people um, in the league, on the planet, in the history of the game can make. Um, and when you can do that, um, you you make decisions that other quarterbacks would never dream of making. And sometimes it's hard to to turn that switch off. And the last thing you want to do as a coach is when you have someone that talented is, you know, try to put a governor on it, try to um, try to impose some sort of strict ideal that he can't make some of these throws because it's what makes him special. But I do think he understands the, the gravity of what those turnovers mean to his team and putting his defense in bad positions. And I think that's maybe one of the more underrated things about the bills defense, right? Is that 
Bill's defense, Bill's offense, you know, you know, Josh Allen led the league in interceptions last year or was second in the league in interceptions of Dak Prescott and the Bills had the number two defense in the league. And what does that tell you is that even when Dean Marlowe is playing meaningful football games and Jaquan Johnson and um, Eli uh, Elianku and um, they had games started by Jamarcus Ingram at cornerback last year, right? I mean, these are practice squad players that are playing in big game situations, playing well because and doing so in really difficult situations and short field situations. Um, the Bills were eight points, eight total points from being undefeated last season. Two interceptions late in that Minnesota game. And then obviously everyone knows about that comeback and all their other comebacks that Minnesota had last season. Um, you know, the, the loss against the jets, they lose by three points or two points or whatever it was. Um, and then they lose, um, and who else did they lose to Oh, and the dolphins, they lose to by five points, six points or something. So this was an incredibly good football team last year. I, I'll say this. I think that a lot of people look at the bills as an aging roster and think that by losing Tremaine Edmonds, that they've gotten worse. You ask media people around here in Buffalo. You ask people that have been at practice every day. You ask any fan. I think most fans have this quiet confidence about them because I think there's a real belief that the Bills have gotten better um, and have reallocated some money and some assets. I, I think that Dalton Kincaid could be a huge thing for and, and not what I think people on the outside are thinking of as like this short yardage Cole Beasley type. Dalton Kincaid is going to press defenses vertically in the middle of the field. And now the Bills can attack you vertically on the edges, on the outside, and on the inside. And I think James Cook's addition to this, I think that they're going to try to get the ball in the hands of the running back more in the passing game. And when you can generate, this was my biggest gripe against Ken Dory Slesher. They didn't do enough to create layups for Josh Allen in this offense. I think if you can do that, when those big shots come, he doesn't feel so much pressure to make all of those throws. And he can check the football down and have a guy that could break a tackler too and be a threat. That, that changes the way defenses guard you. And I think Gabriel Davis is set for a big, big, big bounce back year. Uh, the injuries that he had last year, I think were tough. And that doesn't even mention, you know, you have Dawson Knox, who is a very good tight end in his, out, in his own right. I think this is going to be a very different looking offense. Um, and that's without even talking about it. Maybe the guy I'm most excited about, which is Deontay Hardy, um, which I'm really excited for, for sort of the rest of the NFL to see how the bills use him. Um, because I think they're going to use him in a lot of ways as a deep player, as a guy that can catch screens and go the distance. Um, the bills are more diverse. I think their offensive lines better. I think they've got better options, um, for Josh Allen. And I think Josh Allen is the kind of guy that you just, that I think thrives on being doubted. And, and I think that's really where this team is. I think they're in a much more comfortable position being talked about how they're being talked about now than they were last year. And I think that plays into their hands. So I'm like, I mean, kind of bringing it back to this, you know, matchup. You, you, I think you said in the offset, there hasn't been like a matchup between the bills and, and, and the jets like this. And although I agree, I'm not sure there's been a matchup on week one in prime time like this. I think it's kind of, goes past just Bill's Jets matchups. This is a really, really juicy matchup on Monday Night Football. I'm super excited for it. Yeah, it is. By far, I think. I'm, I mean, I know there's some other good games. And for some reason, people are really excited about Eagles. Uh, Patriots, I'd be pretty surprised if the Eagles don't win comfortably there. Um, Niners-Steelers is juicy, I guess, but it's Jets-Bills means a lot for a million different reasons. 
One of which is whoever we both think that these are the two division favorites and whoever wins this game is going to be up by two games in the standings going into week two. Like that, that matters. Right. And that puts a lot more pressure if the Jets win on Buffalo to win at home. Um, I think in the middle of November or whatever it is and vice versa, if the Jets lose, it's now you got to go up and win in Buffalo. These things matter, um, you know, m- much more than just a, you know, traditional week one game, which kind of doesn't really matter that all that much. Last two kind of quick things here. If from a Bills perspective, if they have to either stop one thing from the Jets perspective, like if they don't stop X, they're probably not winning this game. Is it on the offensive side of the ball? Is it like something for the defensive? Like what, what to you is like they have, they cannot allow X person to beat them or, you know, whatever it may be. I think it's, you cannot allow Quinnen Williams and Jermaine Johnson and, and Carl Lawson uh, beat you. You, you. you can't, you can't, it's just not a, a, a offense versus defensive line matchup that you can afford to lose, especially in the middle Quinnen um, can really, really wreck game plans. He's an elite interior defensive lineman in the league. I think he's right up there with Chris Jones and, um, and Aaron Donald as one of the elites in the NFL. And, you know, I think that bills have done a pretty good job against him. I, I think they did both games last year. Um, they roughed him up a little bit in that second matchup too. They, he, he got banged up in that game. Uh, it was a physical matchup and the bills offensive line would sort of answered the toll in that game. So, um, I think that if you lose that matchup up front and they dictate the terms, it's going to put you more pressure on Josh Allen and that could open things up for, you know, you know, your fantastic secondary to create some plays. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm of the, of the opinion that I agree wholeheartedly. The one thing I think offensively, the, the bills cannot allow the jets to get whatever combination of Dalvin Brees and, and Michael Carter going from the aspect of, if they can start winning the line of scrimmage in the run game, we kind of saw this as in that first matchup with the Bills last year where they kept Josh Allen off the field for pretty much the entire fourth quarter. They kept that Bills defense. Both the Jets and Bills are more of a finesse. Like, they want to kill the quarterback. It's not finesse in, like, a bad way. It's just the run defense is not going to be, like, they're not going to be the top two of the five best defenses in football because because of their ability other than, you know, Milano and Mosley are awesome. But other than that, like, that's not why they're – Right. But, right, we get it. So – if you get Brees and Dalvin going, it feels like it opens up lanes for Rodgers and, and vice versa, right? It's, you know, if the Jets like don't allow Dalvin Kincaid and, and Daw- Dawson Knox to you, at least you say, you know what, that's probably the weakest point of our defense. At least we didn't let Stefan Diggs beat them. And I think on both sides, it's like, don't let these game breaking guys beat you. As well, Kincaid is a USC fan. Trust me, I know he single handedly destroyed, uh, destroyed USC last year in the Pac 12 title game. I feel like, you know, you're still saying, okay, hopefully he's, you know, as much as he's developed, he's a rookie, like, you know, hopefully he, you know, if he beats this week one, like you take your lumps and you grow from that. I just think like, if you're the Jets, you can't let Diggs beat you because it's what he does. He's incredible. And like, you're, you're built to stop a Stefan Diggs to a point, you know, the rest of the defense is going to have to play well. And like, like you mentioned the run game for the Jets, uh, the bills, that might be their weak spot of their defense for the Jets. Like the Jets want to run the football. That's part of, you know, this Rogers, uh, Ben Fennel was on the pod, you know, in the off season said, you know, being in Green Bay, like Rogers, the best game managing MVP we've ever seen, where like he doesn't make mistakes. He runs the offense. And when they run the football, we saw in Green Bay the last three or four years when they run the football, they're awesome. And when they didn't run the football, they weren't quite as good. It goes for pretty much any team in the NFL. <laughs> Lastly here, um, I guess prediction wise, and then I'll kind of ask you just Jets wise and, and Bills wise for the season. I guess so let's go season prediction first. I think, I mean, we talked about it a little bit, but 
Bills win the division. You have them 12 wins, 13 wins. Where are you at with that and, and the Jets? And then um, I guess prediction for uh, for Monday night. Yeah, I like the Bills um, to to get 12 wins. I, I think that their schedule, I, I think a lot of people look at it as, as very difficult. And it is. I mean, it's one of the hardest. It's one of the most difficult schedules in the league. But I think that they get a couple of teams in good positions after um, – uh, especially when you look at the stretch after the bye week an earlier bye week for the bills this year, um, which I think that they, that they'll like a lot. Um, I also think we do this every year with the AFC. Um, and we talk of teams that, you know, uh, how, how good did we think the Raiders and the uh, you know, the Broncos were going to be last year, you know, and they turned out to both be um, teams that trapped in the top 10. So um, yeah, I, I think the Bills will finish uh, on the top of the division. It'll be a close. I, I think that the Jets could win 10 or 11 games um, and and press the Bills all the way to the end. Um, but I like the Bills at 12 wins. And then I think for this game, um, I think it sets up really well for the Bills in a lot of ways because um, they are going to go in with a different mindset than I think um, they went into that first game last year in New York. Um, and on top of that, I, I think that they're a very focused team right now on how people are viewing them. And I think that they, I think that they feel a little disrespected. I think that they feel, um, even though the, you know, it's basically a pick them when you consider the, the line and the home field. Of, uh, well, actually, no, I mean, they get, the bills are getting two and a half, I think, right. Three and a half, two yeah. and a half. Yeah. It's um, but, and, and I think that could be used against, you know, like I think that could be used as motivation for the Jets too, like home team, blah, blah, blah. But um, I think Josh Allen is the, is, this is kind of game where I think he thrives in these sort of situations when the lights are on prime time, he plays his best football. And I suspect he'll do that week one, like he did last year. And um, like he's done time and time again, when the lights go on, you, you see a different, you see a very different player than you do sometimes on a, lackadaisical Sunday afternoon. Um, and, and I think that's why I like the bills in this game. I don't think it'll be close. I think it'll be, you know, 24, 21, 26, 24, one score, pretty low scoring game. If the, I think the over unders high forties, low fifties, I I'm, I'm probably feeling good about hammering that under. Yeah. It's uh it'll be interesting to see what kind of happens. I'm leaning jets. I'm, I'm only leaning that from the aspect of, I think the emotion that building is going to be like something that's very different. And, than we've seen in MetLife in a long time. I agree. I, I think, think there's going to be a lot of, lot of Bills fans. There. I think there will be a lot of Bills fans too. And it's well. going to be fun. And it's going to be, I think it's going to be, it was the, that was the most fun atmosphere all year last year being MetLife was, stadium was like really loud Jets fans. Yep. But it was also like, it's different. It's a local, it still is a local matchup. You know, it's still a lot of Bills fans travel really well in general, but they're also, you get to travel to New York. Like they get to travel, not like they travel to New Jersey, I guess, but it's like, you know, it's like traveling in state, so it's a little different. And a lot of those, a lot of Jets fans traveled to Buffalo last year. It'll be, it'll be, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, they're both, they are similar fan bases. They're similar, a lot of similarities as franchises. Like I think that's why there's not as much bad blood between the Jets and Bills. Um, maybe there is now, just because it's a lot of like, oh, we're both kind of good. So let's, uh, like, let's kind of whatever. The Dolphins, Jets stuff is way different. The, the Patriots, Bills, and Patriots. Um, pictures anybody, I guess, basically, basically yeah. <laughs> the fact that they won the definitely every year for 25 years. Um, appreciate hopping on as always. Make sure everybody's kind of tuned in. I'm any you know, kind of a lot of coverage leading up to the game. Um, if you want to check that out and kind of hear the kind of other side of things, um, I suggest getting both sides of uh, 
both sides of the opinion and be able to kind of be as informed as possible for the game. But appreciate you taking some time as always and uh, can keep up, uh, keep crushing, uh, keep crushing it. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you.